Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Jennifer Blau. Jennifer is a previous guest on the Community Cats podcast, and she was in episode number 78. Today's episode is 244. We're getting close to that 250 mark, but she was on with us almost a year and a half ago, and I'd like to welcome Jennifer back. If you want to find out about her background and everything, you can go back to the communitycatspodcast.com. In the search bar, put in number 78, and you'll find her episode. But Jennifer, welcome to episode 244. Wow. Thank you, Stacey. Congratulations on all the podcast episodes and almost reaching 250, and it's nice to be back. Jennifer is a compassion fatigue expert. So today we're going to touch upon that a little bit more, and we're also going to talk about a retreat she's putting together called the Rescue Me Retreat. But first off, Jennifer, I thought maybe you could update us on anything that you've seen happening in the compassion fatigue world over the last year and a half or so since we last spoke. Sure, absolutely. So I think that we, uh, as a community, as an animal rights, animal welfare, animal care community, I think we have come a long way. I think we still have a long way to go. But what I am seeing now, whether it's in shelters or veterinary clinics, is a an awareness, uh, a recognition of compassion fatigue. And not only is this evidenced by, you know, for example, calls that I get to come and present workshops or give presentations, but also some of the literature that's starting to pop up out there and some of the research that's, that's also being done on compassion fatigue. And of course, this, this spans all the helping professionals. So, you know, for example, I've given talks for nurses, for animal control officers, for, you know, all different sorts of helping professionals. And I think we're really starting to see an increase in the awareness awareness, including the the animal welfare community. Are there different sort of triggers or things that the different categories, like, so there's veterinarians, there's shelter workers, there's, you know, you're talking about nurses and, and that kind of thing, volunteers. Do we get impacted in, in a different way or are, do we all have the same sort of touch points? So I think we're impacted in unique and different ways, A, because we're all individuals and B, because we all have different roles within the community. And, you know, if you think about it, we all pretty much have the same goal, right? That's to protect animals, be it cats or cows or, you know, whatever the animal. We all have different paths and different ideas of how to to get there. And I think that is almost a contributor to compassion fatigue is sometimes within the animal welfare community, we we get into this us against them type of mentality, right? So the animal rights people have a problem with the shelter people. The shelter people have a problem with the veterinary folks. The veterinary folks have a problem with the TNR community. And it's just like, it goes on and on and on. There's a, there's a lot of infighting within this community 
community. And I think that that infighting and the, and the lack of understanding really can contribute to compassion fatigue. And, and as your listeners may or may not know, I host the Compassion Fatigue podcast, which is geared towards all types of animal professionals. And I, one of the goals is to interview people from different roles within this community so we can gain a better understanding of what the other person is going through. So for example, say you're an animal rights activist and you just, you don't really understand the whole TNR community, right? So one of the goals is to help people understand the TNR community. If you're from the TNR community and you don't quite understand uh, the shelter environment, you know, I want to bring on guests to help you gain an understanding of the shelter environment and how we're really all working toward the same goal. We just have different ways of getting there. Yeah, that's very interesting. I have to say, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and you had a series, I feel like it was last summer, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, with different guided meditations. And um, I have to say, I listened to them sort of while I was driving, which was probably not the best idea, <laughs> but um, they were very soothing and they, they were great. And so I want to thank you for that because, uh, you know, even now there's always times that I still feel like I need to be able to manage the stress of daily life and, you know, things that go on and, and that kind of stuff. How do you handle your own sort of stress and and fatigue issues? And how do you even identify that you need to sort of handle yourself, I guess I would say? Well, first of all, I will say that while I am fairly educated and trained in compassion fatigue, I am certainly not an expert as far as self-care. You know, I... I don't have it all together. I still to this day struggle with compassion fatigue and I get close to burnout and I struggle with making time for self-care, um, but I do have a better awareness of it. And I do know, I, I know my, now my, I can recognize my my triggers. I know when I'm getting close to compassion fatigue or, or even burnout and I can turn around and do something about it. And it's all about little baby steps. So for example, one of the latest things that I've done your listeners, again, may or may not know that I own a small counseling practice. I have five clinicians that work for me. And one of the things that I've started to do, it's really easy, yet it was difficult. I stopped checking my email right before bed. And I can't tell you what a tremendous impact that has made because there's been times where I check my email right before bed. And the next thing you know, I'm either on the computer now responding to emails or I'm lying in bed worrying about responding to these emails. So that's one thing I, I did. I'm really trying to cut back on the phone usage, the social media usage. I'm really trying to get outside more, get back into an exercise routine, get frequent, more frequent massages once, maybe twice a month, doing a little bit of yoga um, on my own. Because I, what I recognized was I was doing a yoga class and I, I'm very, very introverted. And so I realized that I didn't like the class aspect, uh, being around all the other people. So now I just do it on my own with YouTube videos. So it's really about finding kind of what works for you, not what you're supposed to be doing, but what personally works for you. And that can be flexible and that can change. For example, there are times when I want to do just something completely goofy and silly, like go roller skating 
And so if, if that's what I'm feeling, if that's what my body's telling me, then that's what I go do. If my body's saying, you need, really need to just meditate, relax, take a bath, you know, do something really calming. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm a lot better now at listening to my body. Yeah. That's, you just hit the nail on the head right there, which is listening to your body because that's not something that I think we're very good at at all. Um, whether it's what we put in our mouths, what we do from an exercise standpoint, how much sleep we get, you know, all of these environmental factors that work to make our lives more manageable and, and being able to understand that. And I, I, I don't have a good listening set of skills with regards to a lot of those things. And I, and I, I don't think that we're very, it's hard to train ourselves to do that, I guess, is the point that I'm trying to come to is very, we're very challenged by that. And not many people put it at the top of the priority list either. I agree. But, you know, I, I kind of equate it to like, let's say you were all of a sudden diagnosed with diabetes, right? Now you, it's going to be, hopefully it's going to be on your radar. And for the rest of your life, you are going to have to be mindful enough to manage it. I think the same thing is true with compassion fatigue. If, if you put yourself in this type of environment and you expose yourself to the things that people in this community are exposed to, your worldview changes. You can't unsee what you have seen. And with this changed worldview comes the possibility of compassion fatigue. And so it's just like diabetes, right? It's something, you know, you can't take for granted. You have to manage it. I know I'm very vulnerable to compassion fatigue. I'm going to have to manage it the rest of my life. Right. Right. And then you have to analyze the source. So the, using the diabetic example, you know, you'd be like, oh, I'll just pop myself some insulin and try to keep myself regulated <laughs> as much as I can. And instead of saying, well, maybe it's my diet choices that have caused this. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's my stress level. You know, maybe I've got a hormone thing going on. So there's also the like looking at the source rather than just doing the Band-Aid thing. Absolutely. And you need to look at it from all different angles. And the same is true with depression, anxiety, or, or compassion fatigue. It's not, you know, you can't just pop a Prozac and, and it goes away. Exercise is involved. Diet is involved. Cognitive restructuring is involved. There's all sorts of, of steps that you can take to manage this. And, and self-care is just one of those steps. Celebrating the welfare of all cats. The International Cat Association is the world's largest genetic registry of pedigreed cats and the number one registry for non-pedigreed cats and kittens, known as household pets. Whether you adopt or shop, the International Cat Association is the one-stop shop for all cat lovers. The International Cat Association is more than 6,000 members in 104 different countries who all speak the language of cat lover by helping make an impact on the health and welfare of all cats. Members serve to educate and foster responsible spay-neuter awareness in local communities and are active volunteers at local animal shelters and outreach programs for schools and or senior and disabled citizens. The International Cat Association members also take active roles in numerous citizen advisory groups to foster responsible legislation regarding the health and welfare of cats. To learn more about the International Cat Association, go to www.tica.org. Do you struggle with self-care and taking time for yourself? 
Recharge and reconnect with your passion at the Rescue Me Retreat, a four-day, three-night getaway for animal caregivers, volunteers, and activists that focuses on managing compassion fatigue and burnout. During the retreat, you'll be surrounded by a small group of people that share your passion for helping animals. You'll be given a safe space to talk about some of the struggles that are inherent in animal welfare work, plus the opportunity to slow down, relax, and have fun. The Rescue Me Retreat will be held from June 29th through July 2nd on beautiful Lake Michigan and includes healthy meals, nature hikes, massage, group activities, and discussions, one-on-one sessions with compassion fatigue therapist Jennifer Blau, access to the beach and water activities, yoga, and more. Learn more at thecompassionfatiguepodcast.com slash rescue-me-retreat and get $100 off if you register before April 1st. You spend so much time taking care of others. You deserve this. With that, you've talked about creating a safe space, taking some time, being able to break away. So let's talk about a retreat. And you've created the Rescue Me Retreat. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Sure. Well, this idea came to me while I was at, um, it was actually a business retreat for private practice owners. And it was called the Slowdown School. And the whole concept was to take all these overachieving workaholic private practice owners and get us to take two or three days to really slow down. Phones were not allowed. Computers were not allowed. It was it was beyond painful the first day. But then the second day, we started to kind of get into our groove. And by the third day, the whole idea was slowing down in order to spark innovation. And if you think about it, all the great leaders in the world, whether it was Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr., they all went away and slowed down before they kind of emerged with these these great ideas. They didn't just work and work and work and work and work and, you know, out pop these great ideas. They had to go be by themselves, really slow down. And the whole idea behind the Rescue Me Retreat is sort of the same concept. It's slowing down, really learning about self-care, reconnecting with nature, being among a group of people that get you that share that passion so that you can really go back recharged and ready to kind of re-engage in your work because so many people in the helping professions were just on all the time. And if you don't slow down, you're going to crash and burn. And so this is just really an opportunity for people to slow down, learn all about compassion fatigue and self-care, and just take a little time for themselves and, and, and recharge their own battery. So if somebody was having a really, really hard time, this would be a place for them to to heal a little bit too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're going to slow down and we're going to do relaxing things and fun things, but we're also going to be having, there's going to be a, a therapeutic component to this as well. So I'm a licensed professional counselor. There'll be one-on-one sessions with me. We'll have group discussions where we talk about, you know, some of the painful feelings that maybe you can't talk about in your everyday circle of friends or with your family because they don't necessarily understand 
can the work or, or the volunteer work that you do. And so I really want to create a safe space where we can kind of process some of those feelings, do some healing. And like I said, just kind of really reconnect with nature and, and slow down a bit. And you have a discount for our listeners who might be interested in attending the retreat. Would you want to share that information? Yes, ma'am. So I've actually extended, I've extended the discount. So if you register for the early bird special before May 1st, which I believe is in a couple of weeks, yes, um, I will take off $100. Sounds great. And it's found at the compassionfatiguepodcast.com slash rescue dash me retreat. Uh, yes, rescue dash me dash retreat. And the promo code is... Capital Cats, correct? Uh, actually, no, there's there's no promo code. If you just go ahead and register before May 1st, automatically take off $100. Great. You make it even easier. Yeah. So in your therapy, you, you have a variety of clinicians that are doing compassion fatigue as well as, as other issues. Do you find compassion fatigue overlays with other issues? Or, you know, I, I find... I feel like there's a lot of gray area in that therapy sort of section and life, you know, animals are not separate. Animals are your family. So, and then there's, you know, family therapy and, and all that kind of stuff. And how does, how does that all intertwine? So of course, with compassion fatigue, we, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, what's the difference? I don't know. Do I have compassion fatigue or do I have depression? Do I have compassion fatigue or do I have PTSD? So I think one of the benefits of working with someone that understands compassion fatigue along with some of those other mental illnesses is to help you determine, okay, are you struggling with just, I hate to use the word just compassion fatigue because it's 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 very painful, or are you also struggling with, could you have some PTSD on top of this? Could you have some depression on top of this? Because when you start running into things like depression or PTSD or some other serious mental illnesses, now you're running the risk of something a lot more dangerous, right? So suicidal ideation can crop up with things like depression and PTSD and in compassion fatigue to some extent. But it's also important to have an awareness of compassion fatigue on the therapist's end to kind of approach it in a different way. So compassion fatigue is something that kind of can ebb and flow. Whereas depression, uh, general anxiety disorder, PTSD, these types of things are not necessarily going to ebb and flow. They're going to be more chronic type issues. So if you can't get out of bed every morning, then you have a, a larger issue where if some weeks you're okay and then other weeks you're not so okay and it's kind of like it's almost seasonal, then that's more of a compassion fatigue. Yeah. I mean, potentially. So it's, it's you know, kind of going into the criteria is, is beyond the scope of, of what we're doing here now. But compassion fatigue, again, like I said, it just ebbs and flows. Like I can kind of tell when I am like teetering on the edge of compassion fatigue. I start to notice these triggers. Whereas, yeah, if you're really struggling with getting out of bed and that's combined with 
other symptoms. So for example, let's take depression. So you're having trouble getting out of bed. You've noticed that you're sad more days than not. You've maybe lost a lot of weight recently. Maybe you are not sleeping as well recently. Your self-esteem has kind of tanked and you're thinking about death. So all these type of symptoms, let's say they're present fairly consistently for two weeks. Okay, now we are getting dangerously close to depression, clinical depression land. It's if we don't help ourselves as early as possible or continually. I mean, I, I would say that we should just always be working and aware of our own well-being um, because it is a practice, I think. You know, they people talk about yoga practice. Well, I think that body listening is a practice that we have to do continually or we'll lose those skills. But it's something that we need to pay attention to all the time and, and not lose ourselves. And it, it's, it's a challenge, but I think it's very interesting and I think it can be even better. I just did a simple thing about six weeks ago because I knew the last two months were going to be really intensely busy for myself. And I said, you know what? No TV. I'm not doing it. No TV. I'm not doing it. And um, it's been incredible. I don't know how I would have made it through the last two months with all the activity and stuff that I needed to get done. But the uh, no TV has ensured I was in bed at a good time. I was getting my sleep every night. You know, I was not doing any binge watching and it just, it has given me the time to be able to carry that extra load without getting too crazy. Yeah. And if you do self-care on a consistent basis, it's, it's really like building up your resiliency. So, you, I mean, you can have what we call proactive self-care and reactive self-care. So if you think about proactive self-care, this can be, okay, I wake up every morning and I do 10 minutes of yoga and maybe five minutes of deep breathing. Uh, I try to eat healthy every day. I try to get a decent amount of sleep every night. I try to get a 30 minute walk every day kind of thing. And I get a massage once a month. That is my proactive routine. That is going to help to build resiliency for those times when we are under a lot of pressure, right? When we need to jump into action. And, and with this community, so often you need to be able to jump into action. Reactive self-care are those activities that you do because you realize you're struggling with compassion fatigue or burnout. So for example, I'm feeling really anxious. My muscles are really tense. Therefore, I'm going to go get a massage, right? I'm feeling really, really depressed. Therefore, I'm going to try to get some sunshine. So that is reacting to the problem. And, and good self-care, I think, really is a combination of both being proactive, but then also knowing reactive measures that you can take as well. Right. Because, I mean, our days are not all the same and our weeks are not all the same. And so we have to be able to adjust and manage, you know, as things go along, because unfortunately, it isn't always a rosy day in the park. Mm -mm, absolutely. So Jennifer, if there are folks interested in finding out about the Rescue Me Retreat, more about the work that you do, and also please uh, share with us the uh, the book that you authored too, where would they find out more about you? Sure. So there's a couple of websites that you can reference. If you're interested in finding out more about the retreat, which is going to be June 29th through July 2nd this year, 2018, it's going to be held on 
beautiful Lake Michigan in, in Northern Michigan. And let's see. So you can find out about uh, that. You can find out about the podcast itself at the compassion fatigue podcast.com. If you are in the Southeast Michigan area by chance, and you're interested in counseling, you can check out my private practice website. And that is at deepwatermichigan.com. And if you are interested in getting your hands on the book, it is called To Save a Starfish, a Compassion Fatigue Workbook for the Animal Welfare Warrior. And again, I tried to write this from a perspective of all different roles within the animal care and welfare community. You can find that at Amazon.com. Excellent. And Jennifer, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, if you take anything away from this is that, you know, if, if you are feeling some of these symptoms of compassion fatigue, you know, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed and and, and you're just struggling, you know, I, I want you to know that there's, there's nothing wrong with you. It's, it's in fact, quite normal to experience compassion fatigue. Without compassion, we don't have compassion fatigue. So if you're struggling with compassion fatigue, chances are it means you have a lot of compassion. But it's it's just a matter of being aware of that, having an awareness, and then having the strength to really do something about it. And, and part of that is in the form of a self-care plan. And, and again, self-care, it's not selfish. It's really charging your battery so you can go out and have the energy to do what you love to do, which is saving animals. Jennifer, I want to thank you again for agreeing to be a guest on my show. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future, another 100, 100 plus episodes. Oh, thank you, Stacey. I appreciate it. Welcome to the podcasting world. I'm so thrilled you're you're in there with me. Yep. Yeah, I'm a little bit behind you there, but um, I'm catching up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 